Hey Sam, hey. how are you? Kill yourself. Uh, good. So uh, why don't we go ahead and get started? Uh, my name is Angelo Adam. I'm co-founder and CEO of uh, Bounty Zero X. And uh, on today's show uh, for the Bounty Zero X podcast, we have as our guest uh, Mr. Uh, Sam Kautharani, uh, who is the CEO and co-founder of Coral. Um, so, Sam, welcome uh, to the Bounty Zero X podcast, and we're happy to have you today on our show. Um, Thanks for having me, Angela. Yeah. So, could you give us a brief introduction about uh, your product? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, Coral is basically revenue sharing on the blockchain. Uh, what Coral does as a product is we do revenue sharing or royalty investment in emerging technology companies. Uh, so, where what we're doing is basically giving them access to capital, but instead of taking up equity in the company or board seats or control, uh, we inject that capital to help them grow on their own terms, uh, and they pay us back to a percentage of their revenue on a monthly basis. Uh, we believe that this kind of product aligns the interest of ent entrepreneurs and investors and allows you to grow on your own terms without having that outside interference uh, from venture capital or bank loans, etc. What we've done on the blockchain side is we kind of merged the fiat world with the blockchain space and we decided to go public from day one on the blockchain. So the Coral token represents an equity stake in Coral. Uh, token holders could receive dividends on quarterly basis based on our earnings uh, from whatever revenue stream we have as, as products down the road. And uh, this kind of allows those token holders to invest in emerging technology companies indirectly by investing in Coral. Yeah, uh, that's a really interesting idea. Sounds like a fantastic product, and we're looking forward to seeing it develop. And I noticed that the structure of the shares of the company, there's like a Class A and Class B shares. Mm -hmm. So the Class A shares are presumably those which are held by the management of the company, and then the Class B shares are held by are the tokens that are purchasable by token on uh, token holders. Is that correct? And can you uh, um, mention that? It's, 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 a, yeah. it's, it's a combo of both, right? So if, we, if you look at the traditional share structure of any company, there's something called common shares, which basically allows you to have voting rights and earn dividends and have that economic participation. What we've done for the sake of token sales is that we've split our that common share into something called Class A and Class B. Uh, the Class A has voting rights, but there's no dividends or economic participation, meaning it only gives shareholders the control and voting power. And that is only in the hands of management, early investors, that came in on the seed round or venture capital that helped us in the pre-sale. The class B share and that the class A shares are completely offline. There's no token or there's, they're not represented in the blockchain space for now. Uh, that's like a potential project down the road. Uh, for now, the, the class B share is represented, is represented by the coral token, right? So each coral token represents one class B share. And as a class B shareholder or a token holder, you, uh, you have no voting rights, but you do receive that economic participation as dividends and liquidation preferences. And that's what's actually being sold during the token sale. So before we go into the details because I understand that that was kind of a more specific question. Can you talk just on a broad level, an overview of a use case for a company who would be seeking funding in the space? Nowadays, they can raise funds in a variety of ways. You know, they can hold an ICO, they can go to venture capital, they can go to a bank and get a loan, uh, they can issue debt. But yours is your solution that you're offering for companies is a unique revenue sharing, a, a combination of like a loan and a venture capital uh, raise from uh, a, co a company. So can you expand a little bit on 
where your product falls in comparison to other fundraising options that companies have. For sure, yeah. So uh, as you said, like we're kind of a hybrid between a loan or debt and equity. So uh, the, the term that I like to use is equity. Uh, so it's a, it's a combo. It is a loan, but it's more of a, more entrepreneur friendly with the whole financing structure by being uh, structured as a revenue share agreement or a royalty. And the kind of businesses we deal with are more emerging technology companies, whether they're in the space of uh, blockchain, AI, fintech, so anything basically within the SaaS model or software as a service that has a recurring subscription model or a recurring revenue model on a monthly basis, that could be a potential business. Uh, the businesses we look at as well need to have anywhere between twenty-five to 250000 in monthly recurring revenue or what we call the MRR. Uh, and because we fund up to four times that amount, right? So if you're doing $250,000 a month, we fund you up to four times that amount, which is basically a million. Uh, so, or if you're doing 50,000 MRR, you get four, four times that amount. So basically that's 200,000. Uh, we look also at companies with healthy gross margins. Uh, so basically like 30% gross margins, uh, just to show that they have the potential of paying that revenue sharing on top of their expenses. Uh, and that, so like business that we could be working with is a SaaS medical company. So let's say you have a SaaS company that does medical records or some app that has a subscription-based revenue. Uh, that could be a good potential for us. Uh, the way we're different from everyone else is that I mean, you have, obviously you have the option of venture capital, you have the options now of ICOs, you have the option of debt. The startups we're tackling are, one, they don't have the time and the capital to inject to uh, do an ICO. An ICO is still costly anyway from a marketing perspective and running it and getting your records and uh, your uh, your goals. Uh, from another side, you have the venture capital space and the debt space, right? Uh, the venture capital space has been existent for, what, 20, 30, 40 years for now. Uh, it's been a successful model, but we're... A lot of startups are starting to see are too early for venture capital and they go to the angel investment trial or they're too late for angel investment uh, and most of them would not even qualify for a loan from a bank at this point. Uh, so we're kind of filling the gap between those two worlds of debt and venture capital. I mean, in Canada alone, the gap between uh, for early stage investments or uh, emerging technology companies would be a billion dollars and globally it's around $100 billion and growing by a factor of 10% almost. Uh, and that, that's, that's the gap or the sweet spot trying to fill by offering our product. Yeah, I mean, I could really relate to the fact that, um, you know, holding an ICO um, is a very time-consuming process, and uh, there may be a lot of companies who want to raise funds but and are in the blockchain space but don't want to invest the time and effort and all the, you know, there are some downsides to holding ICOs, obviously. Especially the regulation side, right? So you have to deal with regulatory approvals, and especially now the SEC, for example, considers everything as a security token. Uh, I mean, there's 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 a downside. Obviously, there's a there's an upside for it, but there's also a downside of you exposing your business to a risk, right? Yeah. So on that point of regula uh, the regulatory side, uh, you guys are based in Canada, and do you offer your services to any company? Uh, so a global, uh, regardless of where they're located? 
Yeah, I mean, our revenue sharing agreements are pretty much uh, global at this point. We focus on companies that have financially stable systems. Uh, so like whether it's Canada, US, UK, Australia. Uh, for now, or the first portion of 2018, we'll be focused on Canada and US from revenue sharing investments. Uh, but we plan to expand uh, globally as, uh, as as our product expands, as our team expands, and we can scale the business. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and, you know, there's a lot to cover for us to talk about with your product and I want to look at it both from the point of view of the companies who would be approaching you to raise funds but also looking at it let's say a token holder interested in purchasing your token so from the company's perspective uh, I would approach you and uh, have a call and discuss you know that your services and you guys would perform an evaluation and do your due diligence is that correct? And can you tell me a little bit about that due diligence process? Yeah, for sure. So basically what we do is uh, we connect to multiple data elements. Uh, we can, uh, basically, we connect to bank accounts, accounting systems, uh, payment gateways. All of that data allows us to gather that information and build a quantitative assessment. Uh, along with the qualitative assessment, like we look at the management team experience, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook presence, for example, the social media growth of that business, how they're doing financially, uh, and all of that data, which is almost 10,000 data elements per business, uh, allows us to get a good picture of how the business is doing and their potential, and that's how we can gauge uh, our investment uh, philosophy towards those businesses. So, so far, have you raised uh, or have you lent out any funds from uh, comp two companies or are you currently in the stage of development where you're just building out the company and the framework and the legal uh, have you taken on any uh, any risk from companies yet so far we haven't done any investments that's uh coil still in pre-launch and mvp uh so basically uh we're working on finalizing all the integrations with all the apis we have to build whether it's uh accounts and accounting system and banks i mean we have pretty much 95 percent of the pod already right now to support the canadian market uh, but there's still a bit of work to be done before we can launch and we're hoping by april may we should be able to start investing in those businesses uh, especially once our token sale is also uh, completed then. so then post token sale you guys have funds and are 100 percent of the funds that you use to invest in companies taken from the funds raised during the token sale yeah so basically uh the full token sale that we're doing uh 90 percent of that amount is going towards the capital that we invest in our balance sheet right so we invest in uh, revenue sharing agreements on those businesses and remaining 10 percent is being used more for operational capital to scale the business grow the team and support the infrastructure we needed to kind of run those uh, revenue sharing agreements very interesting so then let's say i'm a company approaches you and you guys start the due diligence process you know there's a lot on your guys's end to make sure that the company will be uh, approved or rejected for the the funds and you guys have a a full spectrum procedure where you evaluate the the companies and de decide whether or not it's a good uh whether they meet your criteria and so how what is the time period for the, i mean obviously you guys haven't done it yet so what do you expect the time frame would be from the time uh, you're approached by the company to the company being uh, leaving capital? 
so we're aiming for a two-week period. Uh, basically, I'm crunching that number lower and lower uh, as we have more data. So the idea, basically, we took a process that takes six to nine months of uh, funding and raising capital and crunched it down to two weeks. Uh, the idea is we have machine learning models on the back end, which kind of analyzes the data, learns as, as we have more businesses apply, uh, that's able to more automate the decision-making process uh, as, as, as the product grows. But the idea is to bring that number from two weeks to even like a day or two. Uh, so that there's no, or there's barely any manual intervention or human intervention. So that all that data is being crunched and a number is thrown out to say, okay, well, this is good or no good. And this is what you should be qualified for and, and the money's on its way. Uh, but for that, for the machine learning model to actually know what it's doing, it needs to be triaged with a lot of data. And at that point, in the early stage, there will be some manual intervention from us uh, to help the model learn. And that's why it's going to take us up to two weeks, which is still a good number for a company raising money. So you have an uh, in-house team who's going to be, you know, look, taking a look at these products. And can you tell us a little bit about your team and who you, uh, the people who are part of the group that are going to be doing these evaluations and a little bit about their background and. So, uh, from uh, basically from the team that's looking at, at the investments from uh, from general point of view, my, my co-founder Derek Manouche uh, is a previous financial risk manager at KPMG and Scotia Bank, and has been a consultant for a lot of crowd financial institutions, uh, banks, uh, fin- uh, credit card term, uh, providers. Uh, so he's been the main guy driving those credit models. He's uh, originally a mathematician, uh, has a master's and a bachelor in math. Uh, so that's that's his sweet spot and bread and butter. And he has a, a machine learning and quant developer team. Uh, with him that's helping him build those uh, models and automations. On the other side, we have our chief revenue officer, which is basically Bill Tharp. He used to be the founder and CEO of Grenville Royalty Corp, which is a publicly traded company on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Uh, And Grenville was known for doing royalty investments in the space, and he has that experience of qualitative assessment. So anyway, Derek has the quantitative assessment side, and Bill has the qualitative side. And I've worked in the lending space myself for the past seven years uh, as a head of product. So I'm pretty much familiar with the kind of data elements you have to look at from a business point of view and what's risky and what's not. Uh, so I think between between the management team's experience and our, even board of our advisors, uh, we have the good set and the good skill set to kind of underwrite and approve those businesses. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you put together a, a good team and a talented team with a lot of experience uh, in the space. So from the point of view of a coral token holder you guys are performing in order to purchase the tokens during the upcoming ico the token holders need to undergo a kyc process where they verify their identity and what other uh, data point or what other uh, verification is needed in holders who want to participate in the upcoming uh, so, to, uh, so Coral is planning to be the world's first regulatory compliance securities token, and we're working with the Canadian regulators and soon the SEC, once the Canadian approves, uh, regulators approve us, uh, to be like a security token issuer or security token offering. Uh, we've partnered with our uh, with Polymath to kind of run that whole protocol using the Polymath protocol over the Ethereum network, uh, where all token holders will have to go through KYC and uh, AML passes or NFT money laundry and know your customer checks, uh, along with an accreditation 
application status. So if you're part of our application or investment boarding, uh, we do something called the suitability analysis to conduct whether an investor is an accredited investor or not. Uh, but there is limitations when it comes to securities of what an accredited investor can do and what a non-accredited investor can do. Uh, it's mainly on the limit of investments, right? So for example, in Canada, a non-accredited investor is limited to $2,500 uh, of investment per security per year. Uh, so that's that's one of the things that we'll, uh, we'll have to consider uh, during the form. It's pretty much transparent to the user, uh, but the only part that you'll sense that we're doing is the KYC as you have to upload your uh, docs and uh, government IDs or verification tools. Your token sales starting on uh, what date? Uh, potentially April pending regulatory approval by the Canadian government. Uh, and the idea would be rolling it out jurisdiction per jurisdiction. Uh, we're starting with Canada and then as other jurisdictions come to life, uh, we'll be rolling the token sale there. Uh, and that's the, that's where we are at this point. Okay. So I was just thinking from the point of view of someone who wants to participate, there would be a period of time from when they submit the documents until they're granted approval to uh, uh, contribute. Yes. That process. Are you guys, is Polymath doing that on their end or uh, how are they, what is their role in so, yeah, exactly. the process? Polymath is more the protocol, right? So think about it, they're, they're like the, the gatekeepers. Uh, what we do is basically we, we do the KYC on our end and we tell Polymath, okay, look, these Ethereum addresses have been whitelisted and they can participate in the token sale. And the smart contract that's being built using the uh, Ethereum network over the Polymath protocol will kind of verify if a certain Ethereum address has been whitelisted or it passes the accreditation status or is in within a certain jurisdiction. As you know, as uh, Canadians or even North American countries, there are certain countries that we're not allowed to deal with from a financial security point of view, like Iran or other countries on uh, specific lists or sanction lists. So like all of that, for example, will have to be considered into the smart contract. And Polymath is the protocol that allows us to add those filters over the network. Oh, I see. That makes sense. So Canada's first and then the U.S. And then are you going to be working with individual countries and uh, evaluating their criteria for for people who want uh, to participate in, a, in purchasing securities? Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we're checking with our lawyers that side to make sure that we're compliant everywhere we have. I mean, obviously we're focusing on, uh, we have, we have a token community, uh, sorry, Telegram community and, uh, followers. So kind of, we know where they are, where they are, and we're pretty much focusing on the countries, the top countries that are identified on our waiting list. And we're going after those. And, uh, we'll have more news about that soon. Nice. And so just out of curiosity, what are your, you know, top five or six countries that you're going to be. So, so if anyone is in this, in those countries, uh, U.S., Canada, U.K., Singapore, and potentially two more countries that we're looking at right now. So now, let's say the purchaser of the tokens uh, holds uh, is, is able to purchase the tokens and participate in the sale. Uh, then. Do you guys have like a hard cap or a soft cap or, or what? Yeah, so, so there's 1 billion tokens in circulation. Uh, we're selling 49% of that uh, on the, during the token sale. Obviously, we have a two-tier pre-sale and a life sale. Uh, they have, we have a hard cap of uh, 49.5 million uh, because of the difference between the two tiers of pre-sale and the life sale. And then once the 
platform is live and the token holders uh, have the tokens and you guys are investing in other companies, do the token holders participate in any way in in deciding which companies that their own tokens are allocated to or is it uh, is the management of the investment side completely handled by the limited partners? So, yeah, so, of course, so first of all, one thing to clarify, Coal is not an investment fund, right? Uh, Coal is a fintech company that happens to have a revenue-sharing product as one of the products. Uh, so when you're investing or buying the token, or the Coral token, you're buying a share in Coral, and you're not, it's not necessarily in that fund. So if you have a separate product that does something else, you'll still be getting part of the dividends of that total revenue of the company, right? So as if you're, you're investing in Apple share or Google share, right? Uh, so it's pretty much the same. So that's one thing that we need to make clear that we're not an investment fund because from a regulation point of view, that process is something else. So we're, let's just get that uh, clear out of the way. Uh, so basically, as, as a token holder, though, you have no say in what we invest in as a business. Uh, you're just basically investing in us as a company because you believe in what we're doing. And then we have a good management team and good systems that will allow us to kind of gauge what businesses to invest in or whatnot. Uh, but Coral 3.0 down the road, we can see that having uh, more of uh, voting rights in the investments. Uh, but that's like in the a year or two to come. For now, we're focused on us as a management team deciding what to invest in. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand the, you know, the importance of being clear on the regulatory side and, uh, you know, not you know confusing people and making sure that, um, you know, that that aspect is clear that you're not an investment fund but you're just uh, a company who's uh, having a revenue sharing model with uh, their clients and then token holders can then uh, receive some of the dividends from the company uh, so I, I noticed you guys talked about on the website the concept of the uh, coral token holder uh, dashboard where they can log in and they can see, uh, you know, a lot of different statistics. And can you tell me a little bit more about that dashboard for Coral token holders and what information that will give them? Yeah, for sure. So basically, we believe in full transparency, uh, and that's why the investor door dashboard will allow all token holders to log in, uh, see, for example, the dividends they've received so far, the value of their token uh, appreciating, uh, anonymously see what kind of investments we've made over the years or over the portfolio or the company's life. Uh, so you can see, for example, that we've invested in a tech company in the U.S., uh, and uh, they've been paying on time, and this is when they're expected to pay us off. So if having that full transparency of what the company is doing, along with our financials and yearly reports, uh, so in case you want to see, like, you get dividends this month, you want to verify that those dividends were based on a certain financials. So all of that will be uh, published. Basically, we'll be operating in the same transparency a public company would have to operate, if not even more. So that leads me to another question. So as you know, the blockchain uh, lets anyone purchase tokens secondhand on a secondary market. So how do you guys make sure that the, to the coral tokens don't end up in the hands of third parties who haven't gone through the KYC checks? And do you make sure that in order to claim the dividends from the token, you have to like somehow be affiliated with the platform? Yeah, so exactly. that's where the Polymath protocol comes in, right? So uh, we've built it into the smart contract that no transaction can happen between entities that were both in past the KYC rules. Uh, so if you're sending it from sending you a transaction and I've passed KYC and you haven't, the smart contract will block it. Same way for paying dividends, 
uh, no one can receive dividends unless they've been whitelisted, right? So uh, no one can even purchase a token in the first time without being KYC. So that means when you pay dividends, it's only being paid to uh, verified and whitelisted uh, token holders. So well, that, does that mean there will be no trading of the token on on secondary markets or? There, there will be on decentralized exchanges and security token exchanges down the road, like T0, for example, or other security token exchanges that will come up. Because we're in the security token space, there's not a lot or there's no security token exchange that's live yet. Right. Uh, so I mean, the only way people will be able to trade it now is through uh, decentralized exchanges. So we're looking at the ZeroX protocol. Uh, I mean, that, that could be potential. But at the same time, even if it's a decentralized exchange, it's just a gate, right? It's a separate gate. You still have to be KYC'd as an investor. So you'll have to come to us or one of the Polymath partners, get KYC'd, and then you can go to on this decentralized exchange and do the trading. So will you guys, so you would, if I wanted to purchase the quota tokens and not after the ICO, uh, I would buy them, you know, just like I would any normal token on exchange, but then if okay. to, in order to claim the dividends from the token, then I would need to uh, essentially like deposit them into your platform and then go through the KYC process and then well the, f the first thing you want to do is you want to come to our portal do your KYC and whitelist your Ethereum address so you say okay this is the Ethereum address I'm going to use to purchase the coral token with and I'm going to get it whitelisted and then you can go to an exchange buy the token from someone uh, or like basically we facilitate that movement ourselves so we buy the token from someone solid we have a structure for that until there's an actual exchange uh, it's more like a share reallocation on our side and uh, but for that you'll have to come to us in the first place for whitelisting and what uh, are the dividends paid out in in the coral token or in the ethereum or Bitcoin? Uh, we pay we pay a dividends in ether Very interesting. This this seems like a really interesting product, and I'm sure a lot of people would uh, be interested in participating in this. And I noticed on your website, you know, you're having this unique product, and in the event of default, which you know inevitably happens, no matter how good your uh, your investment strategies are, what is the the order in which invest uh, investments from your group into other companies would receive payouts uh, in let's say like a bankruptcy or in, in a case of default by the, uh, by, the, by the receiver of the credit yeah, I mean, we take something called conditional personal guarantees that kick in in case of fraud. Uh, we position a certain security with the uh, governments we're in or the jurisdiction we're in to kind of protect us in case of bankruptcy or default. So we'll be back, uh, we'll be straight after the bank to collect if there's any default or a bankruptcy. Uh, so that's the, that's one way of protecting ourselves. And we also leverage technology on a monthly basis to kind of de-risk and be proactive and before the case of a default. So we're able to monitor if the revenues are dropping, if there's any change in the management team or any, any flags that could uh, lead to a default case. Uh, but in case a default happens, and we've obviously uh, took that in consideration in our financial projection and models, um, even with those numbers, we still have a very profitable company. Uh, but we've put in place actions, for example, whether it's a collection process or a, a personal guarantee that kicks in uh, to kind of protect us from that default. Okay, that's interesting. So when you say when you say conditional personal guarantees, could you like just define that term and uh, 
Yeah, so usually a, a generic personal guarantee is that okay, the personal guarantee is active from day one on the loan. That means if you default on the loan payment for your business, the, the company can come after your personal assets like your condo, your house, your car. Uh, what we've done as a conditional, conditional personal guarantee is it kicks in in the case of fraud. So let's say you come to us today and you declare that you have $50,000 a month of recurring revenue through a certain accounting system at a bank. And then once you go live, you connect another accounting system with another bank that has a different revenue or you start sending your revenue to another bank account so that we can't see it. Uh, so now your revenue shows up as 20000 so that means your monthly payments are even lower. Uh, that's a fraud case for us, and that's when a conditional personal guarantee would kick in, and we'll have the right to kind of uh, come after your house or your car uh, in case or any assets you have to kind of pay off the loan if you don't want to pay it. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. So that would give uh, a lot of more confidence to people on the other side that if they default or if they you know fail to fulfill their obligation there is uh, uh, a, a way for the uh, you know coral as a company to pursue uh, yeah. the, uh, the defaults yeah we need a skin in the game right so we need to make sure that those entrepreneurs aren't going to shut it down one day and just leave and do you require any like security or any deposit up front or no, no, not at all. So basically, uh, we just look at their financials early on, and uh, based on that, we can fund up to four times that amount. And accordingly, uh, once that approval is done, they get the money in their accounts, and we pull that. We pull our payments pre pre through pre-authorized debits on a monthly basis. So, you mentioned, I think, on the website that the, I guess you would call it like a ROI, but you used a specific term for it for the dividends that are going to be uh, available to the Coral token holders. Could you uh, expand on that? Yeah. So uh, we do up to 10% in dividends, and that's basically under the discretion of the management team and the board, uh, as we'll be operating as a public company. But we uh, we expect to pay dividends up to 10% of our quarterly earnings. So the dividend amount will be 10% of our quarterly earnings, up to 10%. Uh, if there's earnings that quarter, if there's no earnings, there's no dividends, right? So whatever the company makes as a positive number on the balance sheet that quarter, 10% of that will be distributed as dividends in the form of Ether to all token holders. And then the remaining 90% would be used to expand the... the exactly. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be reinvested. Yeah, we'll be invested back in other businesses, scaling the business itself, and growing the team. Growing the team. So what is your plan for uh, marketing your product? And uh, uh, are you going to be waiting for companies to approach you, or are you going to be like proactively seeking out companies who would be seeking funding uh, are you going to be partnering with like other firms uh, what is your plan for uh, onboarding new uh, or, or locating you know clients it's a, it's a combination of all of the above, right? So uh, obviously we have 2,000 early access requests so far. The majority of it was with zero marketing efforts or like a zero dollar in the marketing efforts. Uh, obviously we do plan to have an in-house sales team or account executives that will kind of try to find those deals for us. But the majority of our deal flow would be depending on partnerships and uh, like strategic partnerships like with VC, with VC firms or startup incubators or accelerators. Uh, uh, university entrepreneurship programs or uh, entrepreneurship uh, competition or like startup competitions and that's that's the kind of uh, this marketing strategy we have so far um, so well, my next question is uh, you know relating to the uh, the long-term growth of uh, your company coral 
and uh, the roadmap for where you see this heading in the long term. Uh, could you expand on you know other potential markets that you could expand into besides the uh, that of the tech company or the, uh, yeah. uh, the company that's seeking uh, to raise funds? Yeah, so we see like uh, the new economy businesses like Airbnb and Uber to be a potential. So like down the road, we can deploy capital in a person who has a business based on renting his Airbnbs, right? So they want to renovate their Airbnbs, like buy a couch, repaint the walls or whatever. So we can inject capital and take a percentage of their Airbnb income. Or if they have an e-commerce website on Shopify or Amazon, we can see that as well. Uh, we can see the product also expanding to the commercial investment space. So instead of taking a, having shareholders or giving up equity in the project to build a mall, you can simply just uh, we can simply do a revenue sharing agreement where we take a percentage of their rental income. That's that's like expanding the product vertically in different industries. Uh, sorry, but we also exp plan to expand it within jurisdictions. So focusing on Canada and US, and then expand it to like Australia, UK, and other financially stable countries around the world. So that's uh, all the questions that I have for you, um, Sam. Thanks uh, for coming on the show. Before we end, um, though, I want to give you a chance to. Uh, if there's any other uh, topics that we didn't discuss uh, during the call about the product that you'd be interested in discussing, uh, feel free to you know, let us know if, uh, now if there are any other uh, things that we didn't touch on during this interview. Yeah, so uh, so if you want to have any, if you want to know more about us, just join our website at coral.io. That's C-O-R-L.io. Uh, you can read our white paper there. It has details about the business, the team, and who's running the project. And it's very important that you guys know who's running the company and what's what we're doing before you even participate in the token sale. I recommend that not just for our project, for any project in general. Uh, we do have a Telegram group. Uh, as of a few days ago, we kind of broke EOS's record, so we're at almost at twenty-five thousand. That puts us. At the third rank in the uh, crypto community on Telegram. It's Polymath, Ripple, and then us at this point. So do join Telegram, ask any questions to our uh, lovely admins. Uh, they're more than happy to help you. And we do have a bounty program as well. So whether you're going to help us with translation into your own language or growing the community, uh, so please check it out. It's uh, it's basically hosted on the Bounty Zero X platform. Uh, so uh, we're more than happy to answer any questions if you have uh, if you have anything for us. Yeah, I was, I was going to mention that also. The, uh, Coral is running a bounty campaign on the Bounty Zero X platform. It's currently live. There are approximately six bounties uh, available. Uh, there's a Reddit bounty, uh, a Twitter bounty, and then a translation bounty and. Uh, so for anyone who wants to, to get involved in the Coral product and uh, assist them and uh, earn some Coral tokens in the process, they can go onto the alpha.bounty0x platform and uh, start performing some work and earning some tokens. Uh, so as you said, the translations and also creating content, writing articles, uh, making videos, they can go ahead and log on there and just click apply and uh, submit the work. And then at the end of the bounty campaign, the, which ends in approximately 54 days, so approximately to the, a month and a half, uh, the tokens will be distributed. Uh, uh, that's. Uh, a, I'll just add to that, uh, with the exception of actually doing KYC, right? So even all bounty participants will have to do a KYC. Yes, that's correct. So in order to claim the tokens, you have to undergo the KYC process through Coral. 
Um, so yeah, so that's uh, everything we wanted to discuss today. Thanks, Sam, for uh, being on the Bounty Zero X podcast, and we would love to invite you back on in a couple months or in a couple weeks uh, as you finalize your uh, your sale uh, ICO and as you start developing your product. We'd love to check back in and see how uh, things are developing and uh, as your roadmap uh, uh, is uh, completed. Thanks for having me, Angela. I look forward to being on the show again.